Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day, both in and out of the church, via teaching and interviews. Our goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of the Sword and Spirit. I just want to say a happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there. I had a very good Father's Day. Uh, my daughters took me to breakfast Saturday and took me out to dinner again for Sunday. So they treated me royally and even bought me some few gifts to help me out with the podcast. So thank God for my daughters. And uh, we had a great time and it's fun eating and talking with my two-year-old granddaughter. And of course, my wife also blessed me as well. It's a, a nice card and some gifts. Having said that, today's podcast, we will be discussing, is this in fact the last days? You know, we look at all the trouble that's going on in the country, all the the, the hearings and, and January 6th he- hearings. We talk about, you know, each side claiming if the other side wins, it'll be the end of democracy, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And, I, and that I don't I don't really I don't take sides per se. You know, politicians are going to do what politicians do. That That's what they do. But having said that. There's a lot of other things We're looking at inflation. We're looking at uh, the war with Russia and Ukraine. You're looking at. Because uh, Ukraine produces so much wheat, and now the wheat's been cut off from the rest of the world, and so it's creating some shortages in Africa and other nations that get the wheat from Ukraine. And then you got the sanctions against Russia driving fuel prices up and inflation, etc. So all these things are coming, and so whenever things go south, people start to to assume, oh wait, this must be the last days. Yeah, the Bible said that was going to happen, and they act as if though. This is the end of days, or this is, we're in the last days. Well, that scripture that was read on the intro said, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke to us through the prophets of old, hath in these last days spoken to us through his son. I would like to propose that the last days began at the advent of Christ. When he entered the earth, and to reclaim it for his father and to call out of people for himself, that's the beginning of the last days. So if it was the last days almost 2,000 plus years ago, actually more than 2,000 years now, plus years ago, then you can imagine we must be at quarter to, you know, if you would think we would be like a quarter to midnight, so to speak. 
But frankly, I don't know when Christ is coming back, and neither does anyone else. I believe it's imminent, but I don't believe that anybody can predict it. You know, he could come at any minute. He can come now. He can come tomorrow morning. He can come, you know, whenever he wants. That's divine prerogative. He may not come for another 500 years. Some of you are thinking, that's too long. Well, that's for us. Remember now, God lives outside of, outside of time. Time has no impact on him. We're measuring time because our time here is finite. We're here for 70 plus years, a little bit maybe, 70, between 70 and 100 years old, and then we depart. Well, that's us. God's still here. Before we got here, God was here. Now that we're here, God is still here. And when we're gone, God will still be here. So God has literally nothing, if you want to tongue-in-cheek here, God literally has nothing but time. So 500, 1,000, 40,000 years from now, that's divine prerogative. God can come whenever he gets good and ready. So I'm not going to say God has to come back now. I don't care what's going on on this planet. I'm not going to say that God has to come back at this particular time. But people look at the signs of the time, climate change, the floods, the fires, the political turmoil, the upheaval, the racial tensions, the return to nationalism, which makes, which actually creates more wars. Uh, so if we go to globalization, that creates one problem. If you go to nationalism, that creates another problem. Every time we try to come up with a solution to uh, problems in life and in humanity, it, it just seems to get worse. Or one problem, you solve one problem, you create another problem by solving one problem. You know, we've talked about, oh, uh, paper bags. When I was growing up, it was paper bags at the grocery store. Oh, you're cutting down the forest. Save the forest. So they went to plastic. Now the state that I live in, New Jersey, they just banned plastic bags because it's killing the, the, the animals. So we're back to these, you know, so now we've got, I think it seems like it's kind of like a, uh, like a burlap type bag, but they're reusable that you can use over and over again. And... So we're using some of those bags, and you have to buy them or whatever. And and then you, when you go shopping, you bring your bags with you, and then you just sort of bag your own groceries now, so to speak. And that's what we're using now. And that'll create yet another problem. Eventually, that, that's going to be problematic and take some getting used to. And so every time we try to solve one problem, another seems to be created. And that's just because we live in a fallen world. I was just in my backyard cutting down some some vines and some some wild growth that was going on back there. It looked like a like a uh, like a rainforest jungle back there. So I cut it all down. But as soon as it rains, it'll be right back up again, and I'll be back at it again constantly. So you solve one problem, it creates another, or you have to maintain it because then at that point, if you don't maintain the work that you've done, then the problem comes back yet again. So there seems to be no final solution to some of these things. So what am I saying? I'm saying that every generation pretty much believed that it was the last time. Even the Apostle Paul and the writers of the New Testament, they, they, they would say, you know, that day, that day is drawing near. You see the time is getting close. Imagine if you were a Christian. Because See, here's the thing. But every generation... Every generation sees things that the other one has never seen before. So to us, it's brand spanking new. But in reality, it's still not the end. Could you imagine being a Christian in Rome during the time of Nero when he was using Christians? He would put 
pitch a tar on the on you as a Christian, and he puts you up on a pole and lights you on fire, and you would be like like a street light to lamp to light the streets at night. They use you as as a torch to light the streets at night. That's some of the persecution he throwing being thrown in lions dens and uh, cast into uh, in the Romans Colosseum and being killed with, with lions, etc. That type of persecution. So you can imagine in their minds, they're thinking, you know, this has got to be the last days. This has got to be it. Christ should be returning soon. Well, how long ago was that, right? Practically 2,000 years ago, and Christ ain't here yet. Then fast forward a little bit to the future. You had uh, the Millerites. These were Christians who believed that Christ was coming in their lifetime for whatever reason. And remember now, the world was changing. So the Industrial Revolution has started. And, and, you know, we get excited when we see things that we've never seen before. And then we go back to the Bible and say, yeah, the Bible said these things are going to happen. These are signs of the time. So every time man advan advances technologically or in medicine or in some other area, we think this has got to be it, right? Because we're seeing something that we've never seen before. But seeing things that you've never seen before is not the criteria of measure, how you measure out whether this is the last days or not. It doesn't work. So the Millerites, for whatever reasons, thought that Christ was coming back. I think one of their, their prophetess, Ellen G. White, told them, you know, Christ is going to come in her lifetime or whatever, uh, if I remember the story correctly. And they all got dressed in white, went to the top of some mountain somewhere, and waited for Christ to return, and they were disappointed. Christ did not return. And they were not caught up into heaven. None of that, what they thought was going to happen, happened. Well, they got a little embarrassed by that, so they changed their name to the Seventh-day Adventists. But they were formerly known as the Millerites. And I'm not saying that to be disparaging of my Seventh-day Adventist brothers. They're Christians. They just said, um, I'm just pointing out that people make mistakes. Well, that was a mistake. Because Christ did not show up. Okay, so then move on a little further up in the future. Um, you know, we've had the, the Harold Campings, you know, family radio, making predictions about the return of Christ. And, you know, and he was wrong every single time. He made several predictions, and he was wrong on every every single one of them. And he was a, it, believe it or not, he was an intelligent man. He was an engineer. He was good with math. And so he thought he could outmath God and, you know, figure out what God, when God Christ is going to return by math. Well, surprise, surprise. God surprised him. He didn't surprise God because Christ did not return when he thought Christ was going to return. And, you know, he went so far as to say after a certain amount of time, no one else could be saved. The dispensation of grace was over and on and on he went. Well, we're still here. And by the way, he's dead. He's gone on to be with the Lord. And he's gone. Okay, so there you go. And so if you, and if you go a little further back to the 1960s when I was growing up, oh my gosh, the 60s. If you grew up in the 60s, it was very, to me, it was a very scary time uh, because you had the, you had race, race riots when they killed Dr. King. And you had all the racial tensions in the city, you know, going back from 64, 63 with Malcolm X and the civil rights marches. And you saw the beatings and the clashes with law enforcement 
And then you saw the burning down of cities, the rise of the Black Panthers. That at the time, I didn't know who they were. So, you know, the media scared me, made me afraid of them. But really, they were nonviolent. They, had, they hadn't killed anyone. But, you know, um, shows how powerful the media can be sometimes. So they were demonized. And there was the Vietnam War, which my father fought in. And thank God he went there, came back, and he was okay. His mind was good and his body was good. Um, but, you know, between the Vietnam War, in fact, at one point we were living in Germany on the base, and I remember the air raid sirens went off, and I went into a panic. I thought for sure the Russian bombers were coming. You know, I ran down into the basement, you know, and uh, it turned out to be just, I guess they were running some tests or whatever. But uh, maybe some Russian jets that suddenly flew overhead and, you know, the sirens went off. But nothing happened. Nobody dropped any bombs or anything. And then you had the hippie movement, the flower power people. And then they were down with the system, down with the man, anti-government. You know, you had Ahead Asprey out in the West Coast with all the drugs, the influx of drugs. And, and, and you know, Timothy Leary with, the uh, you know, dropout, tune in and, and, you know, with the LSD, you know, supposed to take you to a higher level of consciousness. And then you had Woodstock in the East Coast in, up, in upstate New York, the free love. And it seems like the whole world was unraveling right in front of us. And I thought for sure Christ is coming. This has got to be the end. And then what really scared me was a song by the 50th Dimension, um, Dawning of the Age of Aquarius. Oh, that song spooked me. But you gotta remember, I'm a kid, you know. So I'm like, oh, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. What does that mean? When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars. And, you know, and I was like, what is going on here? You know, so I'm expecting the world to end any minute now. Well, I was like, what, nine, ten years old when some all this stuff was going on? I'm 62 years old right now, people. And guess what? Christ has not returned. We're still here. Then I went to Bible college in the 70, late 70s, 77 to 81. And, you know, during that period, uh, you know, I heard all the conspiracy theories, the Illuminati, the Rothschilds, some, the Stonecutters, whatever you want to call them, the Masons. They're the ones really running the world and they're the ones doing everything and 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 I had all the conspiracy theories you could imagine, and oh my God! And and on 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 uh, on Halloween night, the Satanic Church is is praying is strongest, and they're praying against the church on Halloween night. So we had to pray on Halloween night really hard. You know, now I look back on it, that made no sense. You know, the devil doesn't have more power on Halloween night than on any other night of the year. It's it's just nonsense. Whatever he has, he has. But it doesn't matter because greater is he that's in us than he, he who is in the world. So big deal, right? Um, you know, so th that was kind of scary for me too, you know. And I was like, okay, you know, we got we to gotta reach the world with Christ. And, you know, because the, the, the end of the age is coming soon. And Well, I was in my 20s then. Oh, wait, we're still here. I'm 62. Still here. Nothing has happened. And now we look at where we are now in human history. See, see, it appears we're watching the fall of the American Empire, not by an outside adversary, but we're gonna we're literally tearing ourselves apart from within. 
This is an internal matter, ripping ourselves apart, regardless of what side of the political aisle you are. You know, it's one thing to be Democrat or Republican, but now they're actually they're labeling each other as enemies of the state. What? You know, come on, really? Well, here we are. We you can't live like if if your political person you're running against is a bitter enemy. I'm talking about not. It's one thing to have a philosophical disagreement on how the nation should be run. But when you're talking about enemies, you know, and hateful people and they're terrible people and they're, and then the fault, the lies are, you know, listen, the Democrats are not eating babies. Please stop it. Nobody's doing that. Uh, the only people gaslight you. And, and no, I don't take sides, but I don't listen to ridiculous and, and, and nonsensical stuff either, which is just plain ridiculous and nonsensical. But be that as it may, people are easily people are easily frightened. I've realized that now. People are just easily frightened. I, I didn't realize how frightened people are. Any little thing, you know, could frighten them. All right. Well, here we are, and so we're 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 on the verge of. Uh, if we're not in a civil war, we it seems like we're heading for one. Like the country's about to fall apart. So what do you do? What do you say? How do we how do we handle this as believers, as Christians? And so people will look and listen to these things, and they say, this has definitely got to be the last days. Christ must be coming soon, because look at all the stuff that's going on, the shooters that are running around. Let's talk about the shootings and with guns and rifles. You can't even go to, you can't go to school, can't go to the movie theater, can't go nowhere, mind your business. And people just won't leave people alone. And so people are screaming, this has got to be it, this is it, this is the last days, this is what's going to be happening. And... I'm here to tell you today in this podcast, stop, take a deep breath, get back on the altar before God. Everybody relax, chill out, take it down a notch. I'm not saying not to be vigilant and to be sober because the Bible tells us to do that. And we're not as children of the day, children of the night who are asleep, we're awake. So Christians should be woke. Before there was wokeness, Christians should always be the most woke people on the planet from the first century till now. And and by woke, I mean aware of what's really going on around us, the spiritual warfare. So I'm not saying that Christ is not coming soon. I don't know. I cannot tell you when Christ will come. He may come back before this podcast is over. Then again, maybe not. He may come back 100, 200 years from now, or even longer than that. Don't know. What I am here to tell you is stop panicking because we may not quite be in the last days in the sense that you're thinking. Because the last days have always been here. So we've always been in the last days. That's not, that's not the issue here. The issue is, number one, are you prepared to meet your maker? I am. Are you prepared to meet Christ, to meet Almighty God? Stand before him and give an account for your life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so if you don't know Christ and the forgiveness of your sins and you die tonight, it's not going to be a good look for you. But if you know Christ and the forgiveness of your sins through repentance and faith in him, all will be well. You can sing with the hymn writer, It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. 
it is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And oh, the joy of this glorious thought, my sins not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear them no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It is well with my soul. Can you say that today, that it is well with your soul? So let's look inside, and we're gonna, I'm going to explain to you why I think that we, the question is the wrong thing. Are we in the last days? Because we've been in the last days. So what we need to look at is the signs of the times from the Bible, not newspaper eschatology. I'm not going to look at the newspaper and then come back and say, oh, look, 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 at this is that. Don't know, can't say. But the Bible does give us some signs. But maybe we've been kind of reading some of those signs the wrong way. So let's think about that, shall we? The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things, and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Amen. Now what you just read was Genesis chapter 6. And I started at verse, all the way back up to verse 8. Genesis chapter 6, verses 8. And we read all, down, all the way down to the 11th verse, 12th verse. Okay. So, you go back in Genesis chapter 1. By the sixth chapter, man falls, but by the second chapter, man has fallen. Second or third chapter of, of Genesis, man has fallen. It only takes three more chapters before the earth is full of wickedness and violence. To the point where God says, okay, I've got to, I've got to wipe this slate clean here. And, you know, we're going to start this thing over again. And I'm not trying to answer every theological question like, you know, didn't God know that was going to happen? I'm sure he did. Okay, but that's not what that's not what this podcast is about today. It's just dealing with the fact of is this the last days or not? Because people look around and say, oh, look, see, 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 
This is happening. See, I knew it. This has got to be the last days. We've seen this movie before, saints. In fact, Jesus said in the 24th chapter of Matthew, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. For they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and just going along their very way. So, and I'm going to get back to that in a minute because it's, it's, when we think of the days of Noah, it says, well, see, there was wickedness back then. And, and uh, you know, God destroyed destroyed the earth. I said, okay, that's well and good. But Jesus didn't bring out the fact that they were wicked. He just said they were eating and drinking. So evidently, things were kind of calm from their perspective. But from, from God's perspective, it was full of violence. And man's the thoughts of man's heart uh, were evil continuously. It only took six chapters to get to that point. It doesn't take take long for, for, for evil to spread. It, the thing just goes like wildfire. Now, what God did, he put in some stopgap measures. One, up until this point, people, you, you know, you have these phenomenal, you know, eight, this one was 850, this guy was 900 years, and this is how long they lived. Because they weren't that far away from the fall. So the fall of sin hadn't impacted man that greatly just yet. Uh, but... From the time of Noah, it dropped the, the lifespan drops to about 120 years, and then by the time uh, after Noah, uh, after another period of time where God, with the Tower of Babel, cuts it down to 70. So lifespans shorten. So with shorter lifespans, you shorten. This evil can't spread. But you got 900 years. You can do a whole lot of wickedness in between that. You know, 900 years of living. So God cut it, shortened the lifespan. So God did took measures to slow the spread of evil in the earth. Because he has to slow it down, bring Messiah in, save mankind. And then, you know, where's the, where's the redemptive process through uh, using the church to preach the gospel so he can work his redemptive process in the earth. So... But up, in, but up until Genesis 6, there was nothing there to stop the spread of evil. That shows you how fast this thing can go. So what am I saying? Oh, there's murder on TV. Oh, they're shooting. Oh, this is happening. It's been happening before. It has happened before. Everybody just relax. You know, I'm not saying relax. You got to be on your guard these days. But everybody just take it easy. We've seen this movie before. This is not the first time the earth was filled with violence. Now, if you go through history, and I'm a history buff, uh, and I have come to the conclusion after many years of studying history, I like to watch the, uh, a lot of the series on television. I love the Roman Empire. I like to look at things about um the Moors and some of the in North Africa, African empires. I like to look at the Genghis Khan and some of the East or the Aztec empire, some of the empires that were here with the Native Americans. And I find one common denominator in every single great empire of the world. It's just the strong come in, they beat up on the weak and they take your stuff. Until finally the, those who were once weak get strong and then they flip the script and go back, turn it around on those who just beat them up and beat them up and take their stuff. This is all wars. That's all war is about. All wars are about over territory and resources. 
And yes, even God concepts. And we're going to talk about that that tied to religion and poly religion. It's a triad: religion, economics, and government. It's a, it's, a, it's an unholy triad. But one of those three reasons is what causes us to start wars. So nationalism. There's the othering of other people. These people are not like us. They don't speak the Germanic tribes up in the north. These Huns, the the people up here, the the, the Vikings. These these people, you know, the the the, the Anglo's and the Saxons, the the, the Goths and the Visigoths and the you know and, and Charlemagne has to build his empire, king of Europe, and then you got the Moors down there with with, with Hannibal at war with the Roman Empire. I mean, you know nationalism fighting what are they fight, fighting over resources you know whoever's the most powerful gets the best food the best the best of everything so we've got to outdo these other people here within within africa and within europe even within own ethnicities there are tribes and people are constantly going at war with each other this is human this is human i don't care study human history it's violent and it's one group of people beating up on another group of people. That's all it is. Every war, resources, economics, othering of other people, all reasons for war. One group has more than the rest. And and so the, the haves, the have nots come for those who have, because the haves won't share anything with the have nots. I got it my I got it honestly, you get it honestly. And so people get tired of being oppressed or beat down. That's their perception. Because they got to blame somebody for why they're, even, even if it's not their fault, I got to blame somebody for being in poverty. Well, it's you. you you've got more food than me than you could actually need. I'm watching you to toss your food out. You know, when I could have brought that home to my kids and we could have had a nice meal ourselves. And so it's war constantly. That's why people do stick ups in the street. People sell drugs, everybody trying to, to make their way in life. Some people do it legally, some do it illegally. Some do it illegally on the sly while having a legitimate business going at the same time, etc. Look at the, um, there's a good set of series of documentaries I highly recommend, The Men Who Built America. Look at all the corruption and how empires start wars. Well, America wanted the West, so... I'll send Kit Carson out to the West to go start a war in Mexico so we can we can take their take their stuff. This is history, people. It's one group of people beating up on another group of people and taking their stuff. And then they build these great empires. Now, here's the thing. In between those wars with these great empires, there are there is the, the, the upside of it is when one group finally subjugates enough people, there is a relative period of peace. And then we get into learning and education and reading and books. So mankind is a mixed bag. You know, I was watching the uh, the movie Gladiator, and uh, when Marcus Aurelius is, t is, is telling his general uh, Maximus, he said, you know, how will people remember me? Now, we know this is fiction. This is a fictionalized part of the life of Marcus Aurelius. There's the real true story of him and Commodus. But this is a fictionalized version. Actually, I kind of like this version a little bit better, even though it's fiction. But it does carry some truth to it in the sense that um, Marcus Aurelius is talking to, uh, to, to the general. He's saying, listen, I, 
you know, how will I be, you know, all this, all I've done is, you know, since I've been emperor is war, constant war, I've been war with the Germanic tribes. And I'm tired of war and I'd like to leave a legacy, but how will I be remembered as the warrior, as a tyrant, as a philosopher? How is history going to remind, remind, remember me? And so then the general says to him, I have X amount of soldiers out here lying in the, in the cold and I refuse to believe they've died for nothing. And then he, and to help the emperor justify his years of war, he says this, I have seen the world and it is dark and Rome is the light. See, after a while, empires, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. When you start getting to the point where you're at the top of the, at the bottom, you, you're, you're a barbarian because you're fighting and killing just to get something to eat. And, you know, you're not worrying about learning or building a civilization. But once your belly gets full and you have just enough to, you know, you start looking around and, and you start getting some other ideas. And eventually you build a civilization and it becomes a great civilization. And then everybody else around you seems like barbarians, like, oh my God, these people are still doing that? That's backwards. You know, we have so much more. And then you justify conquering them under the pretext of we're bringing light to darkness. We're bringing these barbarians civilization. And that's how these empires justify their behavior. You know, we're bringing democracy to these people. They, well, it doesn't matter whether they want democracy or not. We're going we're gonna to just show up here and give them democracy, you know, because it's better. Now, frankly, I like democracy better. I think it's the best form of government, but that's where I was born and raised under, a democracy. So, you know, the republic with democratic ends, if you want to be technical. But that's what I'm used to. And then I've lived in a country of relative comfort and ease by comparison to the rest of the world. You know, we have our own issues here, but... Um, if you see in other parts of the world, we're not, we're doing really great. Well, having said that, um, you know, so it's easy for us to convince ourselves and to justify us some of the things that we do that aren't right and a little underhanded in the name of protecting our civilization or by spreading democracy or our, our values globally. So I, I get that. I get that. But that's how empires do. There's justification for that. You know, we look, oh, look at the, the wealth of the of queen and the king of whatever nation. But if you look at the history of how they got it, I promise you, they went to other parts of the world, beat up on some other people, and took their stuff. And probably enslaved some of those people. That, that's, that's, human, that's it, people. That's it. That's all there is to human history. Beating up on other people, taking their stuff, and enslaving them. Oh, and it just goes over and over and over and over again. Now, in the process, because of God's grace, yes, we have periods of peace. Civilization gets built. We get good ideas. And you would hope that we would take the best of what those empires did and say, okay, we learned from that. That's wrong. We don't, we don't want to do that. But now let's evolve and just take the best of the, of, of the various civilizations and let's do better at it. And in some ways we have, we actually have, but in other ways we have not. And we're always one generation away from devolving back into, I'm bigger than better than you, I'm beating you up and I'm taking your stuff. Russia's now, is, I'm bigger and better than Ukraine, so I'm beating up Ukrainians and I'm taking your stuff. This is history. It, it, this is, it, it, and it's not going to stop.
So what are you saying, Brother Ryan? So when people look at the news and you say, based on the news, this is the last days, I'm like, well, they've been doing this forever. That's my argument here, saints. This stuff has been going on forever. What makes it worse now is the weapons are more devastating and diabolical. Yes, the weapons have gotten way more powerful. This is not sword and spear anymore. We're talking barbecuing whole cities and leveling whole towns with bombs and missiles and, and God forbid, nukes. Yeah, who's going to win that war? Oh, that's right, nobody. So in that sense, I get it, yes. We're, we're at a level of violence that we the world has never seen. You know, when, when, the, when the First Amendment was written and the right to bear arms was given to us as American citizens, they had those flintlock rifles, so you had to put the powder in, you put the, you put the musket in, and you got to punch it down, and then fire it. And then you got to do the same thing to reload it. Well, you know, how many shots are you going to get off in that time? There's plenty of time to clear the office, man. Everybody could be out of the school, the office, the theater by the time he reloads. You know, at best, depending on how good he is, at best, he might hit two people, maybe, at best. But now, with so the, the, the founding fathers didn't imagine automatic weapons. And I'm not, it's not a gun control speech. I'm just simply saying that the weapons are more deadly and more powerful and that we can kill faster and quicker than any other time in human history. That's my only point here. I'll leave the whole gun control debate to, to y'all. But what I'm trying to get at here is that none of this stuff is new. We've seen this movie before. Because if you look at human history, it's the same thing. It's just war without end. Empires rise, and then there's another war, and they fall. Most of the great empires, like, like the Mongolian Empire, which was pretty much all of Asia, Roman Empire, the Grecian Empire, uh, the... Um, the Moors, all those great empires generally tend to fall from within. They kind of get so big they defeat themselves. I think the Aztecs, the, uh, there was one, I was watching a National Geographic special, and they were talking about the infrastructure. The population just grew and the infrastructure just could not sustain the people. That's one theory is what happened with some of the empires down in, in Central America. But uh, there may be new evidence since that time. But my point is, empires rise and they fall. And generally, if, they don't, if they're not conquered, they fall, then war breaks out from within. One of the weaknesses of the Roman Empire is that they conquered all these people and they could not, they didn't have the ability or the no wherewithal to assimilate them into the empire to make them all Roman citizens. In fact, you had Roman citizens and you had everybody else. Roman citizens obviously had first class status, everybody else was second and maybe even third class, I guess if you were a slave at the time. So this is what this is what our history has been. So if you're talking about what if you're gonna look at violence and say these are the last days because there's a lot of violence, I got news for you. Violence has always been here. Sorry, doesn't qualify. Not new. Not new. As he sat in the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? 
And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So what? Amen. A little bit of the Olivet Discourse there, which is found in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. So I just read to you, I had read to you from Matthew 24, starting at verse 3 to about 14, 3 to 14. But I want us to look at this, and we're going to read it and try to get a little bit of understanding here. So Jesus lays out all this stuff, right? He talks about earthquakes. Well, let's go back here. He said, uh, the first thing he says is, that's going to happen, is see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am the Christ. So people are going to be leading you astray. False Christ and false prophets. Second thing he talks about, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. He said, don't be alarmed. Listen to what he said. When you hear wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Why are we getting alarmed when we see, oh, there's a war, Russia, 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 you know. Uh, Russia's going to go down, Magog and Magog, they're going to go down into Israel. He says, see that you be not alarmed. Okay? So when you see the false prophets, and we got plenty of them, those today, I did a whole podcast on the proliferation of, of prophets. You need to listen to that one. And I dealt with a lot. Of That's one of the greatest signs of the last days. In fact, this, the one thing Christ kept repeating over and over again is false prophets and false Christ. And so when a politician stands, that's not just preachers, it's politicians too. When they stand up and say, I alone can fix it, that's a false Christ. Okay. And they will lead many astray. They don't follow those people. Then you're going to hear wars and rumors where he said, don't be alarmed. This has to happen. This has to happen. Do you understand it, people? This has to happen. You don't have to go up to the Capitol and march and fight with the government and try to overthrow the government. 1776. Stop it. Jesus said, these things must happen. The church is not out here to save the world by brute force and insurrections. These things must take place. He says, but the end, and this is what he says, but the end, but the end is not yet. 
These are not signs of the end. That's what he's trying to tell you. The end is not yet. Stop it. Yes, wars and rumors of wars, school shootings, all the stuff that's going on in our country right now. But Christ said these are just signs of birth pangs. But this is not the end. He says, but the end is not yet. So therefore, saints, we are not at the end. Relax. And by that, I mean stop worrying. I don't mean relax and do nothing. And look what I said. You're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. Don't be alarmed because this has to happen. But the end is not yet. That's in verse 6. Then he tells you, nation is going to rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famine. Oh, oh wow. So don't, why are you shocked when there's a famine? Why are you shocked when there's, there's wars? Earth, earthquake. Oh, my God. They had an earthquake. Jesus said there was going to be Yes, there's going to be earthquakes. Yeah, okay. All right. In different places. Verse 8. Look what Jesus says. All these are but the beginning. Not the end. The beginning of the birth pains. The beginning. We're at the beginning. Beginning. Operative word here. We're in the last days, we've been here since the advent of Christ. But the what you're seeing now, this increase, if y'all want to look at it that way, I don't think it is, but if you want to celebrate it being an increase, it is the beginning. It is the beginning. The beginning. The beginning of the birth pains. I can't emphasize that enough. Then they're going to deliver you up to tribulation to put you to death. Well, that's not happening here in the West. It happened in other countries, but here in the West, we're pretty good at the moment. And you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And I'd like to take some time to explain that, but not today. But definitely, the world is not our friend. If you're friendly with the world, then you need to take a little look at yourself. You know, I can go out around unsaved people, and I can see people that I know, and I go to various events. And I can see the, the disdain and disgust that they look at me with simply because of my position in Christ. And the, the, the sneer and the, 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 the back, talking behind my back and laughing. I, I see it. And I'm not paranoid. It's just things that happen. But that's okay. That's part of it. You're hated of all nations for, for my name's sake. Many will fall away. Yes, I never thought I'd see such a great apostle. Now, this is one sign I, I you know. I have never seen people fall away as fast as as, as it has. Uh, the, the corruption that's in the body of Christ now is so complete. There is practically nowhere you can go you won't find find it to a greater or lesser degree. And where where do you go? And betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets. Wow, Christ keeps talking about false prophets. Must be something important to him because he kept me he mentioned it a couple of times. Will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will wax, will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But the end is not yet. All the stuff I just mentioned there, the end is not yet. But look when the end comes. Look at when the end comes. Look at when the end comes. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations all nations must get the gospel then the end will come what's the one thing the church is not doing right now in mass and in force sending missionaries to plant churches and unreached to unreached people groups of the world we want christ to return 
we're trying to infiltrate. We get, we're doing the seven hills nonsense about us infiltrating every aspect of society, and then we're going to bring the gospel to the world. We're going to not even bring the gospel to the world. We're just going to take over society and government through the seven hills madness. And we're going to take over government. We're going to take over the media. We're going to take over the hospitals. We're going to take over law and all these other various areas that we're going to take over. And then we'll usher in the, the millennium and tell Christ it's time to come back. So Christ is waiting for us to take over the world, practically speaking, with this manifest destiny craziness. And um, this is just a this seven hills, just a continuation of manifest destiny. And we're going to take over the world. And then the world will be ready. We'll get the world ready, prepared for Christ's return. No, that's not what he said. He said this gospel should be preached to the whole world as a testimony, not as a takeover. As a testimony, the difference between a testimony and a takeover. You're not taking over anything. We're not conquering anything. But we're going to the, uh, we're, we're trotting the globe to make sure that every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue has had the gospel preached in it. There are still unreached people groups yet to go. And there's an app that you can download. I have it on my phone in case you're wondering. That deals with unreached people, just in case you're wondering who these people are. It's called Unreached of the Day. Unreached of the Day. And you open the app. It's as part of the Joshua Project. Like today, I'm looking at the Katag in Russia. And it's an unreached people group that gives you the population. There are no Christians in that population, no evangelicals. The major religion there is Islam. And it gives you the language and this, that, the status of these people are unreached. There's no gospel. And so every day you get, a, you get one unreached people group. You don't have, if you're not going to go, at least pray. But what is the church doing? We're spending time in politics. We're worrying about re reversing Roe v. Wade. We're worrying about, you know, who the next president is to the point where we become violent. This is not of God, people. If you're a Christian, you have no business running down there with no angry, violent mob. That's insane. Stay home and stay on your knees and pray. And let's get back to doing what God has called us to do, which is world evangelization. The prosperity gospel, distraction. The gospel of, of self-esteem and self-help, distraction. It focuses, it focuses us inward on ourselves and makes the gospel all about us. In the meantime, God's work goes undone. Yet we want him to come back. And we figure if we stir up enough trouble and, and fight the powers that be, that somehow Christ is just going to speed up his return. And he told you the only thing that's going to speed up his return is the evangelization of the world. Now, let me tell you, anybody gets on TV and tell you that we're preaching the gospel around the world and that's how God is going to fulfill the Great Commission, stop it. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to put some missionary boots on the ground to establish churches. You cannot do it through broadcasting alone. That's like air power. But eventually after the bombing stops, their ground war has to begin. I remember the first Gulf War, we bombed for like, what, 100 days? And then the ground war began. That was when everybody started getting nervous. Okay, now the troop boots are on the ground to push Iraq out of Kuwait. We had to put boots on the ground. And no matter how much firepower, naval, and, and air power we had, boots had to get on the ground and literally forcibly extract the enemy. And no matter how much television broadcasting we have, 
You can't disciple at a distance. Christ came from heaven and got 12 disciples. God became man and walked among us to disciple us. He didn't do it from far away. He had been operating from far away, so to speak, through the prophets and everybody else. But eventually, he had to come down here and do it himself. That's my point. And if we're going to evangelize the world, we're going to have to put boots on the ground and people in harm's way. Yes, I said it, in harm's way to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth. So if you really want Christ to come back and you're really that concerned, support some missionary groups that are actually reaching unreached people groups and people you know who are reaching out to unreached people groups and to spread that gospel. And once we get churches planted in every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, then you can kick back and say, all right, now the end can come. But we're looking at the wrong things. We're looking at all the negatives, the wars and rumors of wars, the fighting and the, the killing and the famines and the earthquake and, and, and this war and that war and this, that, and the other shooting and all. We're looking at the wrong things. What you need to, the thing, the gauge that we need to look at is the gospel being preached globally. Just getting on TV and preaching it in even multiple languages, that's getting the gospel out to some extent. But there are pockets on the earth. There are languages that we're not aware of. And the gospel is not going in there. And everybody's going to have a TV and a radio. And internet, per se. Not, not everybody has that. I know in America we think everybody's living like us. But that ain't, that's not happening. Some nations you have complete blackouts because they're under totalitarian government. So you have a complete internet blackout and TV broadcasting blackout. What are you going to do then? You're going to have to put boots on the ground. That's the only way it's getting done, saints. This gospel of the kingdom must first be preached. So you want Christ to come back, but nobody wants to put their life on the line to get the job done. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Well, okay, I get it. You know, nobody wants to be a martyr. I, I get it. I certainly don't. So what do we do? Well, at least pray. That's why I gave you that app. And I'm going to be having some more missionaries on here. I already had two missionaries on here. If you want to listen to my podcast from Kickapoo to Kathmandu, and, and also the one that says the Mars Hill Project, please go back and listen to those podcasts. I interviewed some real missionaries. Uh, who are still on the front lines preaching that gospel to this day. I've known them for a number of years, and they're still, they're still doing what God has called us to do. And if you want to support them, let me know, rhyd12001 at gmail.com. I'll give you information, and you can begin to back and support those types of ministries. But we need to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what we need to be doing. All this other stuff is a complete and utter waste of time and, and, and resources and energy. All we're doing is all, a lot of churches, the church growth in America is pretty much dead. You know what's happening? They're just swapping members. The big fish, here again, one big fish beats up on the smaller fish and takes their stuff. I'm the big time, big time preacher. I come in, I preach, and, and I'm, taking, I'm beating up on the smaller churches, and I'm taking your people. How you like me now? Yeah, because you guys aren't doing what I'm doing. You know, and which is all marketing and slick you know, Madison Avenue stuff. 
but really when you listen to their messages there's no gospel inherent in in those messages nothing's there it's all fluff and no substance well have caused enough trouble for one day so god bless you thank you for listening and yes there'll be some more on this issue i'm just scratching the surface so there's more to come and we'll be dealing with some men's issues and some other things as well but my main focus is going to be on missions the evangelization of the world bringing the gospel of christ globally that's how the end will come so are we in the last days yes we've been in the last days since the advent of christ are we close to the return of christ well we're closer than we were yesterday we're closer now to the return of Christ than we were when I started this podcast. Tick tock, the clock is ticking. When is he coming back? I don't know. It can be imminent. Don't know. But I do know one thing. The one thing he said that will hasten his return is the gospel being preached to the four corners of the earth. I don't know. Maybe we'll fail at that. And, and that's why the angel is in heaven preaching the everlasting gospel. I don't know if that's, that's why that's being done in Revelations. But let's get our heads in the game, saints, and not get so distracted by things going on around us that we forget what we're supposed to be doing. Because the devil doesn't really care what we do as long as we don't do it. That's the main thing. As long as the gospel is not preached, he'll leave you alone. But you get into preaching that gospel, he's not going to leave you alone. Now, he'll badger you, huff and puff, and, you know, you know, entire church services, entire church services dedicated to you struggling against somebody that you don't like, doesn't like you, and, you know, your particular situation. Now, you hear what I'm saying, and I'm going to do some podcasts, because God does care about the minutia of our lives, the, the minor things. He says in, in scripture, every hair of your head is numbered. So if God can count the number of hair on your head, if he's that detailed, then he's concerned about your cancer. He's concerned about your lack of money. He's concerned about your wayward child. He's concerned about everything that you're going through in life and that you're suffering and that whatever storm you may happen to be in. He's deeply concerned about it. And he loves us so much, and he's gracious enough to help us take us through those things. But that's not all there is. We have to do that. And at the same time, at exactly the same time, do some world evangelization and some prayer for the world. We don't want to spend all the time praying for ourselves. If you're sick right now, I'm going to pray for God to, to heal if you're going through a storm right now, I'm going to pray for God to take you through that storm. If you're going to, if you're going through anything at this particular point in time, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to heal, save, deliver, whatever it is that you need. And we'll have faith together to see God work that out. Having said that, when all is said and done, and God gives you your healing, and God gives you deliverance, and God brings you out, Please remember to pray for others who don't have the gospel at all. Well, let's pray. Let's believe God. 
You're saying, brother, does that mean God's going to heal me? I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to pray because there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm doing this because I want you to see there's nothing wrong with it. Praying and believing God for healing or deliverance or whatever it is that we need. But having said that, God is sovereign. He, at the end of the day, he's going to do what he wants. What's in his best interest in advancing his kingdom? So stay strong. And here we're going to pray now. Father God, I pray for your Holy Spirit. God, that those listening to this podcast, if they're sick in their body, you would touch and heal them. From whatever it is, I don't care if it's cancer or just a common cold, Lord. Pray that you would just touch and heal. If there needs to be deliverance, if we got a wayward child, God, that you would, your Holy Spirit would be the hound of heaven and go after that wayward child and bring them into the fold, into, the, into your kingdom, Lord. If they're going through a storm, Lord God, a financial storm, God, that you would meet their needs, God. Not their greeds, but their needs, that you would help them be, find a way to get that job and pay their bills and and do what needs to be done in just their day-to-day living, Lord God. And that you will give them peace, that you're going to take care of them. Jesus said, take no thought. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Consider the birds of the air. They neither sow, neither do they toil, but yet God feeds them. Or the lilies of the field. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So if God takes care of the lilies of the field, God takes care of the sparrows then God will also take care of us because we have much more value. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, because of your goodness and your grace. And I thank you for taking care of us. And then, Lord, light a fire under us and get us excited about world evangelization and bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. That honor and praise might be given to your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you and thank you for listening to this edition of the sword and the spirit. Thank you for listening to this episode of the sword and the spirit. If you want to reach out to me, I can reach at rhyd12001 at gmail.com. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to continuing on in this topic in a future podcast. This was not exhaustive. It's just kind of something to get you thinking and, and rethinking some stuff, some stuff. So hopefully I've accomplished that. And please listen to the other podcast, Mars Hill Project, Valley Lyson, a great missionary, and with also from Kickapoo to Kathmandu, two great missionaries, and I'll have some more on as well. And if you want to learn how to study the Bible, you can listen to the one I did with Chad Manbridge, a great pastor in New Z- in, New Z- in uh, Australia, and. He talks about how you can handle the truth. It shows you how to study the Bible. And I also did one myself on uh, studying the Bible called uh, on how to basically on how to weaponize the church and to maximize your Bible study. So I want to give you the tools that's, that you can use to uh, study the Bible. Sharpening your sword, it's called. It's the episode called Sharpening Your Sword. 
So go back if you haven't heard those podcasts yet. Go back and listen to them and be blessed and let God do that work in you and be motivated. So praise God. And like I said, I'm very grateful to those of you who do take time to listen to these podcasts. My only goal here is to do no harm. I want to help. Help us get to the church and to the nitty gritty of what Christianity is and move away from the nonsense and the foolishness and focus on what we need to be focused on. And I know I keep saying it, but God bless you. Love everybody and thank you for listening. Welcome to the Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teachings and interviews. Our goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Welcome to the Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teachings and interviews. Our goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit saith to the churches.
Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit saith to the churches.